You're listening to F-Stop, Collaborate, and Listen. This is episode 54 with Dave Soldano. I just got back from Iceland with Dave Soldano, and we had an awesome time. And we talked about that experience on the podcast today. And we also talked about a bunch of other awesome topics, which you can read about in the liner notes. Over on Patreon, we talked about the power of paying it forward and networking in landscape photography, which... Uh, I don't know, it's worked pretty well for both Dave and I, so you should take a listen and see how that goes. Um, Really appreciate all the people supporting over on Patreon. It means a lot to me. Uh, You can donate a dollar a month uh, or $5 a month. $5 a month or more will get you access to all the bonus content. And then there's all kinds of other awesome perks for people uh, subscribing at 10, 15, 20, and above. So thanks so much for everyone who's supporting the podcast in the way. It is awesome. Thanks so much, and I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Wow, David Soldano, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I've uh, I, I've uh, listened to a few of yours, uh, and so yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to participate. Yeah. So uh, for the listeners, uh, David and I just got back from Iceland together, and we wanted to spend some time talking about that experience. But uh, first, I wanted to talk a little bit about about you and. Maybe if you could um, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, like who you are, where you live, um, and kind of maybe tell a little bit about your story about how you got into uh, landscape photography. Okay. Yeah. Um, my name is Dave Soldano, and I'm out of Colorado Springs, Colorado. And um, I'm a, a retired criminal investigator. Um, I did that from about 83 to about 2003. And then I went to work for the insurance uh, companies doing fraud investigations for them. And photography was always a part of both of those jobs and actually learned the basics of photography as a, um, you know, uh, documenting crime scenes and then later documenting fire scenes. And I've always really enjoyed it and always wanted to do it as something creative, but you know, I just never took the time to get started with it. And then one day I, I bought a camera off of Craigslist. Uh, it was a Sony because uh, it was the best. And <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then my wife got me a, a class, a weekend class on basic photography up in Denver, the Denver School of Photography. And I went to that weekend class and that was back in 2012. And after that, and I was just hooked. I was just like, man, this is so much fun. And uh, still doing it to this day. I really, really enjoy it. It's a, it's a great um, alter ego, you know, from my, my day-to-day life because uh, I still do fraud investigations. So I've got, uh, you know, one very serious, very real thing that I do during the day. And then I've got this wonderful creative outlet uh, that I do as my hobby and now my side business because I'm also one of the owners of American Photo Tracks, and we do photography workshops uh, out west, and we've been doing that now for about three years. We do about one a month, and just had a great time there, just uh, taking people to some great locations, teaching photography, teaching post-processing, and getting to meet a lot of really cool people. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just – that's awesome. I'm curious, what is it about photography that – that keeps you doing it because I, I feel like it's one of those kind of hobbies or pastimes for some people. And then it kind of turns into something more serious, like it has in your case. And in my case, what is it about it that, um, keeps you coming back for more? Well, one thing about it is I love to learn, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if you're, if you're learning, you still feel young, you still feel like you're growing. Uh, and, there's so much to learn in photography. I mean, every day you can learn something new, uh, whether it be, you know, how to use your camera, how to use filters, how how to use flash techniques or post-processing. I mean, there's always something new to learn. 
And there's so many other great photographers out there. And if you engage with that community and you see all the other stuff that's out there, it just makes you thirsty for more. You're like, wow, I want to go to that location or, you know, wow, I want to learn how to use that technique. I want, I want to do this. I mean, it, and it's so fun creatively uh, to have an outlet where you can express yourself and feel like you're creating something. You know, I, that, I went a long time in my life that I didn't have that in my life. And it really changed my outlook once I had it. So as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's a permanent part of the rest of my life. I've, I really enjoy it. And I'm going to continue to learn, going to continue to grow, and going to continue to have that creative outlet. Yeah, I love it. That's 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 why I feel too. It's um, um, what's nice about not being full time is that it's something that you you can do. You don't have to do it every single day to make money, but you can if you choose to. And I feel like there's kind of no rules. Like you can do pretty much whatever you want. Um, you know, out, outside of blurring the lines ethically and things like that. But I feel like that's what's that's what I like about it is that it's you know, your, your mind is what limits you. So that's what I love. Yeah, about absolutely. Personally. absolutely. Yeah. 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 I would, I would agree with that too. So one of the things that, uh, and one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on the show, we were driving from, God, we were driving to Hofen, I think, uh, that long highway, um, the Hringvegger on Southern, the Southern Iceland coast. Um, yeah. But one thing I got to say is I think, I think you did a better job of learning Icelandic <laughs> words than anyone else, uh, in the party. I think you, you nailed that real well. Cause I, you know, I've been there twice now and I'm still struggling. Well, uh, I guess, thank you. I, I don't know. I, I look back, I look at some of the words now. I'm like, I still have no idea how to say that, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> Like some of those city names are like, I, I don't have a clue. <laughs> and like some of those, uh, waterfalls, like that one we went to that next to last day where Randy just kept calling it goofy foss. <laughs> yeah. And it's like gluge gloof the foss or something weird. Caver- Caverna foss or something like that. Well, Co- Caverna foss, but there was that other one too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway. Yeah. I don't remember that one. I, I think, I think, yeah. And that's part of the problem is that um, because you don't remember the words that you give them other names. Yeah. And then those are the names that stuck. Right. I remember, I remember when uh, we were there the first time, uh, one of the guys that was with us, his name is Ron Ronco and he's a dentist. And for some reason he just fell in love with Skogafoss. And I just, for whatever reason, could not remember the name Skogafoss. And so he's a dentist. So I just kept calling it Dentifoss. And, <laughs> and that stuck with me until probably halfway through our trip that I finally started. Oh, so that one's Skogafoss. Okay, I remember now. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um, so well, anyway, back, back, back on topic. Um, so we were driving... Uh, on the road and we were listening to one of the podcast episodes. I think it was with Kai Tal, one of my early episodes. And um, there was something that we said in that conversation that really fired you up and sparked a really interesting conversation. Um, And I think it was about, um, it was about this idea of, um, you know, photographing uh, icons and, and it's getting, funny, man. I can, I can hear your hesitation. You don't even want to use the term. <laughs> oh, well, I think we were talking about quote unquote stamp collecting <laughs> yeah. and, and you got so fired up about it. It was so funny. You actually turned the radio off and went, went on like a 30 minute, uh, uh, diatribe, which was actually very <laughs> it was super intelligent. And I was like, man, that's a perspective that needs to be uh, spoken on the podcast because I feel like there are a lot of people out there that um, take offense to that term of stamp collecting. And, and like I was explaining to you, it's never meant as a derogatory term, but I can understand how some, some people might take offense to it. And so I wanted to get your perspective as someone who's um, relatively new to photography, who's teaching a lot of people, a lot of beginners, um, 
in landscape photography workshops. And what was it about that whole topic that really got you fired up? Well, well, I hate the term, first of all, trophy hunting, stamp collecting, whatever. It's just mean-spirited. It has no place in the dialogue whatsoever. Uh, and, and I doubt that I can be as articulate <laughs> as I was in the car because I was kind of fired up. But, it, it, you know, we had listened to several of your podcasts and, you know, you being kind of shy and, you know, you kind of hate to uh, give your opinion that much. But uh, no, I'm joking, obviously. But you had used this term for, you know, one time too many. <laughs> and I had finally like, no, I can't hear this again. Because I do think it is mean-spirited because even though, you, you know, some of the guys you've interviewed are, you know, some of the very best on the, you know, social media side of photography. And almost all of them said that when they started off, they started out going to the iconic locations, photographing the iconic locations. And then after a while, they wanted to do something more, something that was more them and more unique. And so, I mean, I think almost everybody starts, you know, trophy hunting or uh, of that kind of thing or stamp collecting or now, see now I'm, now you got me using the <laughs> term, but I think, <laughs> but I think everybody starts out doing that. And I don't, I don't like to hear it used in kind of the way that I heard it being used because there's nothing wrong with it. It's fun. It's, it gets you out the door. And when you start meeting a lot of these people who go to these workshops and who have, you know, started photography as their hobby or more and see the joy that they're getting out of doing this and the enrichment that it's bringing to their lives, there's just no need to, you know, belittle them with those kind of terms or that kind of thing. It's, it's, this is a wonderful thing, this digital revolution when it, when it comes to photography, that it's opened it up to so many people, that so many people can now have this really positive, really artistic outlet in their lives. Um, it, it, it's a great thing, you know? I mean, not everybody can be, you know, a social media hero. Not everybody can be a professional photographer, but... Uh, just about anybody who has a little bit of a creative eye these days can pick up a camera, start working with it, and really find a lot of joy. And and just like all the great photographers, they're going to start out by seeing these beautiful pictures of beautiful places, and they're going to want to go there. They're going to want to capture it for themselves. They're going to want to have their vision of it you know, that they can share with their friends or put up on their wall or whatever they want to do with it. And it's a fun, joyous experience. So I, I don't really, I, I think the term is derogatory and I think it's mean spirited and I, I don't like it. Um, so I guess that, that's probably what fired yeah, me up man. on that, what, what, what got me started <laughs> on it. And, you know, really, and, and of course, when I, when I, it, there's another progression too, in, in your photography journey where you stop caring what other people are, photograph are photographing, whether they're photographing, you know, an iconic scene or, you know, a cool fleck in a rock. You, at a certain point, you're like, you know what, I'm going to photograph what I want to photograph and I don't care if it's been photographed a million times or never again. I just love this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think you mentioned tunnel view a couple times. I love tunnel yeah. view. I just, I could stand there and, you know, watch the clouds go by, watch the light go through it. I could come back every week for a year just to see the seasons change and all the different things that would happen there. And is it photographed, you know, a million times a year? Absolutely. I don't care. I love it. You know, at the same time, there's this little junk lake on the Air Force Academy with this little trail next to it that I don't think anybody else photographs, but I love that thing and I just love it. And I go back there probably three or four times a year just to see what it looks like in different conditions. So to me, it really doesn't matter if, you know, a million people are photographing it or nobody else has photographed it. I'm on my own journey and I love my own journey. And I, I don't like to hear that minimalized. Mm 
I, it's, it's important to me. It's really important to me. So yeah, it, that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah. Here. And I, I appreciate that viewpoint because, um, you know, I, hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn for other people that have been on the podcast that have used that phrase, but I don't think anyone ever meant it to be, um, you know, used negatively. Although I totally can appreciate, um, <clears throat> your perspective, um, that it could, that someone could hear that and feel belittled. I totally understand that. And I think one of the other things that you had brought up that I think has a lot of value and merit is that for some of these people that, that do this um, and the people that you're, you're teaching in your workshops, you're, you've noticed that, that them getting out photographing is like, it's like the one positive thing in their life that gets them out of bed or it, it, it helps. It's brought them a whole new world that they've never been a part of before. And you see people like brighten up and, and really like just like their whole life changes. And and I think where your your viewpoint has a lot of validity and, and um, that I appreciate is that that if if any of those people were to hear that terminology and 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 construe it as being a negative thing, that it might make them stop taking pictures and that would be terrible for the people that are, that that might be the one thing in their life that is keeping them going. Yeah. And I'm, I'm right there with you. I, you know, but there, the conversation sometimes goes on some of the podcasts that I've heard. Uh, and to be honest, the only ones I've heard are the ones that we listen to in the yeah, car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, the, um, uh, the other thing that was there, it was kind of like, oh, well, all these trophy hunters are going to these, you know, great locations and they're messing it up, um, you know, with, uh, you know, just the sheer numbers of them are, you know, ruining the landscape or, uh, you know, or there's some secret location that gets shared by a popular photographer and suddenly it ain't secret anymore and it gets overrun. And so, gee, you know, I really hate that. Well, I mean, I I get that. Um, But at the same time, I'm I'm not going to agree with you on that point. And the reason is, well, for example, like we do workshops in national parks. And if you do a workshop in a national park, you have to get a commercial use permit. And something that is required for most of these parks when you get a commercial use permit is you have to be certified in the leave no trace principles. And then what we do is then make our attendees, um, well, we, we give them the information for leave no trace and we tell them that we'll be practicing the leave no trace principles while we're doing this workshop. And I think that's a much better way to approach this than trying to make people feel bad about doing their passion because, oh, I'm just, you know, one of these, you know, insignificant trophy hunters that's destroying, you know, the planet. You know, if you do it right, I don't care how many people are going to Kirchhoffel, you don't have to destroy it. You know, if you do it right, if you if you respect that you are one of maybe 100,000 people who are going to, you know, trode there, then... And, and you practice the leave no trace principles, you can do it without destroying it for the next person after you. And I think that's the better approach to take when it, when it comes to these kind of things. Um, and I, I know where you're going regarding the kind of the, the people and what photography does. And that's, that's the people that I've met at these workshops and some of their stories. It's really amazing. I mean, it, it really is First of all, I'll start off by saying what it's done for me. I mean, prior to photography, I defined myself as an investigator as a, and for a while as a criminal investigator. And when I retired, it really freaked me out that I wasn't that anymore. Yeah, right. And I had a real, I had, I had a real identity crisis there. But the other thing is, even as I started into fraud investigations with insurance and all this other type of stuff, uh, the way I used to put it is I had a front row seat to the worst day in just about everybody's life that I came in contact right. with. You know, I mean, that's that was my job. And sometimes uh, my particular 
the job I do is talking to people and sometimes people who have done really terrible things and all kinds of this stuff. And I, I have to hear their story. And then suddenly that becomes a part of me. And after a while, all of that was taking its toll on me. It absolutely was. And uh, I think, you know, I was very quick to anger. Uh, sometimes I would have emotions that weren't appropriate to the situation. I mean, it was really absolutely uh, taking its yeah. toll on me. And my wife, my wife will tell you that since I found this creative outlet, since I found something that's so fun to do that I enjoy so much, uh, it's been real therapy for me. I now see myself as more than, you know, just what I do for my job. But uh, I also see myself as a photographer, a traveler, an adventurer. Uh, I see myself as a teacher um, and, and probably even a little bit of an artist, you know, when I when I hit it just right. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's done worlds for me. And some of the people that come on these workshops is they have really amazing stories. One of them that's so amazing is um, this girl who comes to our workshop and she had this giant, she's a tiny little girl. I mean, if she's five foot, <laughs> I'd be surprised, maybe five. And she had this 5D Mark III, I think. And then she she kept the, the battery grip on it at all times and these great big lenses and she can barely hold on to this thing. And then, you know, and this tripod and, but, you know, and we're like, you, you know, you don't need to have that big a camera. You don't need to have this battery pack on it. And she, she always resisted that, resisted that. Well, Later, we find out that she was very close to her brother and her brother died. And when he died, he left her all of his photography equipment. And so she's using his photography equipment and she has this little stuffed animal that she takes with her to all these iconic locations. And she photographs that animal at the, these iconic, loca iconic locations. And it's that's her brother. You know, that's she's maintained her connection with her brother through the photography and with this and with this animal. And it's just amazing. Then we have other people who have like they've beat cancer twice, you know, and they're like, I'm not staying in my house anymore. I'm not, you know, going to just stay here. All these wonderful places that I've seen, I'm going to get out. I'm going to see them and I'm going to photograph them. And I, I'm, you know, I'm going to do what I can with the time that I have left. Uh, and, and simpler stories too. Um, some of them are just, they've taken up this hobby. They love it. They're passionate about it, but I think it's not too hard for either one of us to relate to that spouses all don't always have the same <laughs> enthusiasm for this that we do. And yeah, you can uh, say that again, buddy. sometimes it can be, very, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it can be very, you know, trying, you know, uh, to, either go out and do it by yourself or drag along a spouse who, you know, is only going to be uh, up for standing there and waiting for the light for so long. And so these workshops bring all these photographers together where they're all like-minded and they're all just having fun and talking about photography all day long. And everybody's there to do the same thing. And, and, you know, if you're not with a bunch of other photographers, and you see colors start hitting the clouds at a certain, you know, over a certain mountain or lighting up a certain stream or something, and you start getting all happy and joyful. <laughs> uh, someone other than a photographer might not understand what's going yeah. on there, you know. <laughs> but as photographers, you know, we get it. We're we're doing this. We're doing the same little happy dance you are, and it's nice to be around people where you know you found your tribe, you found where you fit in, you found where you belong, and uh, other people who are like minded. And uh, it, it is meeting these people and and getting to know them, and a lot of them have become friends. Uh, it, it, it's been a real joy in my life. Yeah, man. You know, one of the things that, uh, that you, we talked about too, you know, on this podcast in the past, I've, I've definitely taken a somewhat, um, I guess I'll just be frank. I've taken a somewhat negative view of workshops. Um, not in totality, but, um, I feel like that some workshops, um, and some workshop leaders do, have a negative impact on the environment on photography in general. I don't think that, I think it's probably more the exception than the norm, but, um, 
And I have been vocal about that on the podcast. But one of the things that you had brought up um, in our conversations that I really appreciated um, and got me thinking a little bit differently about it is that, um, you know, you do a lot of night photography workshops. And what you've noticed is that um, a lot of the people that come on those workshops with you are women. And the reason why they, they go, on a, go on a workshop is because um, they may, may or may not feel safe by themselves in the middle of the night in a remote location. I was hoping you could talk a little bit about <clears throat> about that and how you've noticed that that the, how workshops have been a positive vehicle in that regard. Uh, yeah, and I mean, that's kind of where um, one of the biggest things where um, American Photo Treks um, kind of got started is, um, you know, about five years ago, there weren't a whole lot of people doing Milky Way photography. So when you shared a Milky Way image, you're getting all kinds of questions. Oh, what are your camera settings? How do you do this? You know, I want to learn to do this, that kind of thing. Um, and so, um, me and my friend, Ken Childress, we, we were approached about, you know, taking some people out. And I think it was, uh, with a, a, a learning group to go out and do a workshop. And, and I didn't warm up to that right away because so many times I've, you know, gone out and the clouds <laughs> yeah. have not cooperated or, you know, or, you know, it just, it's been freezing cold or I've had to be there at, you know, four o'clock in the morning because the, you know, the Milky Way core hadn't risen yet. And back then there weren't quite as many apps or other things to help you plan all this stuff out. And so my thought was, you know, I really don't want to do that. What I would rather do is um, at the beginning of the Milky Way season, we do an in-class thing where we teach them how to do it. Then we release people into the wild and they bring back their images at the end of the season and we do another class to show them how to post process. And so that's what we did. Uh, Ken and I put together this slide presentation. And so we did the slide presentation and it filled up instantly. And it was a lot of women, probably I'd say 80% women. And so we did it because it filled up and people were saying, oh, I wish, you know, I couldn't get in. We did another one and it filled up. And then we did another cool. one and it filled up. And so we're like, okay, well, people seem to enjoy this. And, you know, we talked about safety. We talked about, you know, places to go. We, we gave a, a whole class on how to plan and go out and do it. Well, then we got messages. Ken and I both got messages from women saying, you need to do a workshop because one of them I remember very well is my husband won't let me go alone and he won't come <laughs> with me. <laughs> So, um, then, then once we got involved with American photo tracks, we were looking for some, you know, fast workshops that we could do that we knew people would like, and people would sign up for right away. And, uh, you know, Lars Lieber was part of our group by then. And so Lars, me and Ken were like night photography. We know people want to do that. Let's, that'll be a quick, you know, one, we, ones we can do right off the bat. And so we, we did a Milky Way workshop, boom, filled up. People loved it, had a great time. And then to, uh, to solve my post-processing thing, I, you know, problem that I perceived, I started doing my own little YouTube channel where I post-process one image from each workshop that we do. And I share that with the attendees so they not only you know, learn how to plan for, go out and capture the image, but they learn how to post-process it so it looks you know, mm -hmm. like one of my images. So that's kind of how we got, we got started with that. And so that translates to more than just the night photography too, because um, I'd still say with American Photo Traps, probably 70% of our attendees are women. And I think one, it's become quite a social thing. A lot of these oh, people have sure. become yeah, friends yeah. and one from, from all over the state and even from other states. And this is one of the places that they meet up and, and meet their friends. And another thing is um, that they can go out and just do photography without the family, you know, or, or dragging along a spouse that maybe isn't interested, or maybe they're not married and, you know, this is, uh, they don't want to do it by themselves. They want the social aspect is a real big part of it. 
And uh, a big part of our attitude, of our philosophy, is the fun part of it. I, I think photography is fun. And yes, you know, it, it's, it can be very serious and the techniques are very serious and, you know, it requires a lot of knowledge and patience and perseverance and this type of stuff. But I get so much joy out of it. And I mean, there's a lot of laughing. There's a, there's a lot of joking. There's, there's, it's just fun. And we really emphasize that. Yeah. I, I'm always amazed that like every once in a while I'll run into workshops when I'm out in the field by myself or with a couple other people. And I'm always amazed. Sometimes you run into someone who's like screaming at their clients, like you're doing it wrong. Like, man, like that's, well, I don't want to pay money to, to do that. I, I love the fact that your approach is to keep it fun. And I think that's really smart because I mean, honestly, that's why most of us do this is because we want to have fun. And also I, I feel like I left Colorado Springs at the wrong time. Cause I think I left Colorado Springs late. Uh, what was that? 2012, I guess. No, 2013. I left in 2013 and I was doing night photography workshops. That sounds like it was like the wrong time to leave. <laughs> <laughs> It, they they are fun. I mean, we just did one this weekend, uh, American Photo Treks, um, where awesome. you know we're always looking for some new way to do something. And so, uh, as you know, I also like to do portraits. And so yeah, I've, I've worked with mo I've worked with models. And so I thought, well, let's combine those two things. So we got a, a model to come out with us, which this time of year means coming out till about four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> right. Uh, but but uh, Caitlin, she was a real trooper. And so we were on an infinity road and had her like hitchhiking under the Milky Way on an infinity road. And we uh, we taught how to light the model under the Milky Way. And so we're always we're always trying to find some new new angle on this, some new approach to it. And th th this was cool. this and was a new, was a fun new uh, way to do it. That was our first one doing that. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, so so we shift gears and talk a little bit about Iceland. Sure, absolutely. All right. Yeah, that, speaking of speaking of fun, man, I, I had a really good time. Yeah, that was a great great trip, man. I first of all, I'm thank you so much for inviting me. That was you didn't have to do that, and I really appreciate the fact that you thought of me and let, let me come along. <laughs> I was really happy when you said yes because you know we we've we've kind of been friends on social media for a long time and I and the connections that we have are really interesting. I mean, to be honest, you you've done a lot for me over the years, so uh, I was really happy to uh, that you said yes that you'd come along that we got to spend some time face to face. So that 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 worked out really really good. Yeah, man, that was. Like photographing the Aurora has been a dream of mine ever since I got into night photography. So I was so happy to, <laughs> to finally experience that. So for my first question is for you. I was like, a, I was like a giddy kid. Oh. Yeah, man. So I guess my first question is for you is like, what was your most memorable moment from the trip? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I guess it's gotta be. It's got to be Vesterhorn and the that night at Vesterhorn when the aurora was just so bright. Yeah, I mean, it was. I, I describe it when people ask me about it. Is for a minute there, it was almost like green daylight. It was that bright at least one time. Uh, that that was probably my most memorable. I mean, there were several times that I was really giddy happy, but. That was probably number one. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. No, that's top of my list for sure is that night. Like I remember um, there was a there was a moment when it was just like dancing. Like you could see it moving like really long distances in the night sky. And the whole like there was eight of us out there and there's I think there's probably a couple of smaller groups out there with us. And like all at once, everyone was just like, Wow! Like everyone was just like, <laughs> like making all these noises because it was so freaking amazing. Like, and I don't know about you, but that uh, so that was number one. And then number two for me was that night that we went out um, to the coast when I was trying to sell us all and driving all the way back north to the fjords, and we just went, <laughs> we went out to that lighthouse over by Estrahorn, and 
And uh, I was down at the tide. I just went down by the tide pools because it was just high tide. It just receded. And the most exciting moment for me was like trying to find all these unique compositions, getting the aurora reflecting in tide pools. Talk about, at least for me as an experienced uh, night photographer, that was the most fun I had doing photography since I could remember because it was so different than anything I'd ever done in the night sky. It's challenging, man. Those things are moving. Yeah, it was so challenging. And like everything that I had learned was like out the window. And it was like yep. relearning night photography on the fly in the moment. It was like, this is While, the, so while they're fun. moving. Yeah. yeah. And your composition is constantly shifting in the sky, which is just yep. wild. It is. It's fun. You know, but you know what that kind of reminds me of is when we saw the Aurora for the first time, you know, there were four of us, there were four of us and we're driving towards our little cottage. And I completely, I could completely agree with what you guys were feeling because that's exactly the way it worked for me. I had been there before in 2016 and we only got to see the Aurora one night. And once we saw it out the window, we had to stop and we had to photograph it right then and there. And I, so I could completely uh, understand what you guys were feeling. But I remember we're driving towards the cottage and you guys are seeing green out the window and you're like, stop the car, stop the car. Like, you know, we, we could go to someplace better <laughs> and shoot this. And you're like, no, 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 stop the car right now. <laughs> uh, so I, I, and, and of course it was just, it was just color behind some clouds. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I hope they get to see the real Aurora because this is just some color behind clouds because it, when they start seeing those dancing streams, they're going to, they're going to understand why I'm not quite as giddy as they <laughs> No, I understood why you weren't, but I was also like, I heard your story from the previous year that like you only saw it the one night. And I was like, hey, man, maybe this is it. Like maybe this is the last time that we get to see it for the whole trip. And I'm not going to like not take a photo of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I completely understood where you're coming from. I stopped the car. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, And then I took pictures of you guys taking pictures of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So uh, I guess my, um, if you were to go back to Iceland, like, or recommend to other people that are looking to go to Iceland, what would you say are like the, you can't miss um, parts of Iceland that you absolutely have to shoot? Oh, let's see. Well, you know, Kirkchufell is kind of tunnel view in a way, right? Sure. But again, I don't care if a million people have photographed it or nobody has. It's pretty special. I mean, it's got two tiers of waterfalls running in front of it. The water is going out into this mirror area. And here you have this cone-shaped mountain in the middle of like a, a mirror inlet. It's it's just beautiful. Uh, I I guess still on my bucket list is the Aurora over Kirkchiff. Yeah, and you remember and you remember when I was saying, look, you know, I was trying to talk you guys into a four hour drive to Kirkchiffel. I'm like, we we could, you know, because there was supposed to be Aurora there. I'm like, it would just be one hour a piece of driving. We drive there, we come back. <laughs> you guys are all looking at me like nuts. Um. So, I mean, Kirchhoffel, Vesterhorn, Vesterhorn is another place. I mean, there's just a million angles on it and it's so interesting. And the way the tide comes in and out, uh, it, it's pretty special. Um, there's so many, there's so many. Uh, th I guess those two are at the top of my list, but th there's a couple waterfalls. You know what, don't, don't pass on Cavernifoss. You know, I'm glad we met that girl, Hannah, and she uh, told us to man up and go yeah, ahead like and go the, to Convertifoss. In the 60 mile an hour wind. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, uh, uh, we met her and she was what a, a buck oh five, probably if if that. And she's like, "Oh yeah, I hiked over there. The wind almost blew me over. It was really cool." And then we're all hiding in the museum, <laughs> like we're afraid to go over there. We're like, "Oh, I guess I guess if she can do it, we ought to right. go." So, uh, yeah, if um, I, I guess I'd say don't don't pass on Cavernifoss. That's pretty cool. I mean, we didn't get the best pictures of it because of the conditions, or at least I didn't. Yeah. Um, but um, it, it was it was definitely worth seeing. Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely agree about Kirchhoffel and um, and Vesterhorn. Um, if if I was going to go back to Iceland, um, I would probably well, I would really like to explore um, the northwest fjords. Like we didn't go there, but just based on my experience on the eastern fjords, like I was in love with that. Like just every little inlet you drove into, there was like this giant jagged mountain range, like until the eye could see. And then you would drive around another corner and boom, there's a whole another set of mountains. Like for someone who loves mountains, that was yeah. really fun. Um, Imagine Alpenglow on those crag peaks reflecting in that giant fjord. Yeah. I mean, we didn't get to see that. Maybe maybe I'll try and create that later. <laughs> but, um, we, we didn't get to see that, but that's something I would have loved to have seen. Yeah, because I mean that. I think one thing I put in one of my social media posts is like, you know, around just everywhere you looked is one of these beautiful crag peaks or spires. Any one of those would be iconic here in the San Juans, and there's you know one of those every you know degree you look over there it's amazing yeah it's it's ridiculous like i mean you compare the the just the shapes of the mountains there compared to most of the rest of colorado although the san juans definitely can give them a run for the money but um yeah yeah it's yeah it's like san juans that gone that go on forever yeah um it's it's a special place man so i'm curious so that was your yeah i would i would love to do that too yeah I would love to go back up there too. Yeah, I'd like to go back to the, I'd like to explore more on that that eastern side where we were and then from what I hear the western too. I mean, it, I think that's more of a summer trip, but it'd still be I'd still like Yeah, to and it's definitely one of those things where like you probably want to backpack and like make it more of an expedition kind of a thing or like set up a shuttle or something cuz I feel like like those mountains would be pretty incredible to be up in for several days at a time that would be a really good time um it really would yeah that'd be wonderful um you know one thing i will say about people thinking about going to iceland i've got some friends uh, one i'm thinking of in particular who um, she's gone in february twice yeah. and both times it was just completely miserable for her so i would avoid january february and the other thing I would avoid is any kind of tour that's on a tight schedule because I think we saw that the weather is unpredictable and the more flexibility you can have, I think the more you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, I feel like having a tight schedule cause I mean, we, you had a pretty, a pretty extensive itinerary plan for us, but what I appreciated is that it was pretty flexible in terms of, okay, the weather was not so good. So let's go back to this spot again, because we want to see what see it in different conditions or something like that. Like, I feel like if you were on a, like a set scheduled tour, like you'd go to Vesterhorn totally covered in clouds and then yachts, you'd never actually get to experience it. Um, and it's full, full, right. full glory. So yeah, another good thing we did with our itinerary is we put in a, a, like three days I think we had where they're just going to be makeup days where we can do whatever we want. We're just, you know, in this area and let's just decide where we want to go based on the weather conditions and what we've fallen in love with. And that, that worked out. Yeah. I thought too. the other brilliant thing that I really enjoyed was like having like four nights um, in those cottages near Hofen. Cause there's a lot to see in that area and like, you're not spending so much there time is packing and unpacking and checking in and checking out like you have a home base for several days and then you can go out and explore different stuff 
I feel like that was a really smart. It move. made it it made it fun too because because we were like those cottages. It was so communal, and we could cook there, and you know we could all share you know our photos and talk and everything. And yeah, I liked that real well too. Just yeah, that that's the, if you're gonna do it, that's the way to do it. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm curious. That was your that was your second time in Iceland. If you were if you were gonna go back a third time, like what would you do differently? Huh. Well. It's, I guess, I, man, that's a, that's a tough one. I want to say that I would go back in the summer one, because then I'd know my wife would come (laughs) along because she wants to see it in the summer. (laughs) But of course, in the summer, you don't get to see the Aurora, but, um, I think I I would need to see it in the summer. I'd want to see all those wildflowers blooming over there and all the color and just, just all that, that beauty all those wonderful locations that we saw with some of that, uh, some of the beauty of, uh, of spring and summer, that would just be yeah. great. And then like you, I would want to, I'd want to go see more of those fjords. I, I'd, I'd really love to see those mountain ranges and more of that and maybe do something where it's more of um, a hiking thing where you could spend a whole day, you know, hiking or doing something like that. That would be. Yeah, fun. absolutely. I mean, obviously we went in March and, our hiking options were a bit limited based on weather and snow and all that. But yeah, I totally agree. I think it would be awesome to spend several days like doing a backpacking trip or hiking up further, like into, what is that? Thorsmore? Is that that area? Like, yeah, Thorsmore. Yeah, that would have been awesome to, to see all of that. Um, and you know what? I'd take a drone. (laughs) I mean, I, kn- I know they're not the most popular thing in the world, and I don't own one, but we passed through some areas that oh, yeah, like you kind of wanted to. Yeah, you kind of wanted to find the highest point and look and and take it all in, uh, but it, there was no highest point. You know, there just wasn't that area, or or those lava flows that were covered by moss yeah, that just seemed to of. go on for miles and miles and miles. I, I would love to see that from a drone's perspective. I, I think it would be something very special. Yeah. And for anyone who's listening that is going to go to Iceland with a drone, that sounds fun and have fun with it. But God, if you're in a place with a shitload of people, like just keep the drone in your backpack, <laughs> man. I don't know how many times I got frustrated with like when we were at Vesterhorn and it was like super peaceful and there wasn't really a lot of people around and some guy had to break his drone out and fly it all around you for like 30 minutes. It was like, dude. I remember one guy at Vesterhorn with the drone. That's the only guy I remember. But it, yeah, he. I remember him at Vesterhorn. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I just kept getting frustrated by like I was really zenning out in the location, like really just loving being there in the grass and watching the clouds roll over Vesterhorn with the tide and like you could hear the waves in the distance. And then all of a sudden you hear this, and you're like, what the, come on, man. Like, ah, it's so annoying. Like, don't do, don't be that guy. No, no. There are plenty of places that I think would be really fun and interesting to see that I don't think anybody, you're, you're going to be messing with anybody else. Like yeah. probably another good one would be that giant um, glacier where we went to, you know, the peak and looked out. Yeah. Um, there, you know, if you walked, walked further back there, I don't think there'd be anybody else back there. And you could fly, it, probably take a drone up there and really get to see that glacier, like you just can't from the ground, that might be a really beautiful, beautiful thing to see. Those glaciers were pretty, those fascinated me, me, but they're a, they're a, they're a challenge to photograph, to show what they really are, just how immense and how beautiful. Yeah. To show the scale of those things is almost impossible without like a human subject or some other object in the scene. I don't, I don't have a problem putting humans in, so I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, you I'm know, like, oh, human, that works good for me. <laughs> I'll so do that. Actually, um, one of the things I really liked about having you on the trip was like, <clears throat> you like to incorporate the human element into a lot of your shots, which I do. 
which adds a lot of um a lot of interest and a lot of other challenges photographically speaking so i i would encourage people to to try to do that um because i mean it was really fun watching you like that that one night where like we we came across that super jagged peak and i like ran over there and was like madly furiously digging my camera gear out and you were like hold still i'm taking your photograph <laughs> and i was like well let's do it like for reals like let's get me posed up there and and like from that yeah, on we, you knew like it was on like we could put people in pictures yeah, get, getting you on, getting you on that ridge and then the back and then you added the backpack that that's a cool shot that's a really cool oh, shot and it's it, a and killer it, and it shot. Adds, it adds a lot more to that scene than just, you know, it's a cool crag peak that's, that's right there with those, um, uh, the low clouds and that sliver moon. But then when you're standing on that ridge with your backpack, I mean, it, it really brings the viewer into the picture and also adds a, a whole nother mood or emotion to it. Yeah, that's a cool picture. I like that picture a lot. I love I love it, man. I think it's killer. And actually, I didn't even ask you if it was okay, but like I just sent out um, a bunch of um, personalized thank you cards for my podcast. And I actually mm -hmm. ordered uh, these cards and used that photo. <laughs> So, uh, that's perfectly okay. I always let my models use their photos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I was so in love with that shot. Like you did such a killer job with it. Like it just encapsulated that moment perfectly. Like, cause we had <clears throat> parked down the road. A oh, and for all the portrait photographers out there, I got a model release. So <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So, you know, you might be seeing me on the, the, uh, like on a, I don't know, like, bathroom stall or something i don't know where your photos get sold on getty or something <laughs> yeah, who knows <laughs> but yeah man like uh it was just a great idea to incorporate the human element i really encourage people to do more of that in fact i can't remember what site it was but <clears throat> i think it was um i think it was like astrophotographers or one of those facebook groups where people were bitching about people including human element in their um, Milky Way photos. And I was like, man, adding the human element, it really helps show the scale of how big the night sky is. So I, I think so too. Yeah. And then also too, it, it puts, it puts the viewer in the shot. Exactly. You know, exactly. he can imagine of course, you know, the real popular one is to take a tent and put a little tea light in the tent. And we do that. We do that shot, too. But it, it's the reason it's so popular is because it's it's very cool. I mean, you can imagine yourself, man, what if I were camping in that tent and I could look out and see that kind of sky and that kind of exactly. Scene? It's so easy. It's so easy to put yourself there and want to be there. Yeah. Yeah, it adds it adds an emotion to to a picture. I mean, you know, I, there are a lot of people that absolutely they're not into humans in, in, in nature shots. And I get that, that that's cool too. I, so I just do both. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're good at it, man. Like you've got the eye for it for sure. Like, uh, um, it, I just actually was able to upload all my Iceland photos to my website last night. And, um, cause I'm going to, I'm going to actually going to write a blog post about, about our adventure and use, so some of the photos in my gallery aren't like, Oh, wouldn't you love to hang this photo on your wall? They're more documentary photos of our adventure. And one of you, one of them is you posing that girl that was cosplaying on the beach near Vic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I got a, po a photo of you like helping her pose. <laughs> but that, to me, that was like, oh, there it goes again. I was so excited <laughs> to see that. Well, I mean, we're on the beach at Vic, you know, with those sea stacks and the sea arches. And, it, you know, it looks like some kind of, you know, a Nordic scene. And there's a Viking. <laughs> <laughs> you know? There's a, a redheaded Viking, you know, female Viking, you know, right there on the beach. And everybody's just walking by her. I'm like, what do you exactly. mean? <laughs> <laughs> and she's trying to photograph herself and you could see she was uh struggling a bit and uh so you know uh, it's always fun to start up a conversation with the camera and so all i did is like hey do you mind if i take a picture of you and kind of compress the scene so that 
you know, we can bring in some of those background elements. And I don't, she didn't really know what I was talking about. So pulled out the 70 to 200, took a picture of her then showed it to her on the back of the camera. And then she's like, (laughs) can we do this? Can we do that? Can we do that? (laughs) How many model, how many model releases did you end up getting that trip? Uh, Probably just three. three. Most landscape photographers going on a trip to Iceland probably aren't thinking ahead about model releases. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Well, you know, the, the other one was that cool, um, hot springs that we hiked into, where you go into a little hot springs that's right in the middle of this box valley with waterfalls flowing into it. And it, it's it's kind of surreal, you know, hanging out in that hot spring in, in that location. And then um, Amber, you know, with the steam rising next to her and stuff like that. That was another one of my favorite shots there, getting yeah. uh, Amber in that really good light in the hot spring. So Yeah, man, you crushed it there. Ha. And you shot that with the uh, the the crop sensor, the the Sony A. What was that? The the A. The sixty five hundred. A sixty five hundred. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a great camera. Yeah, man. Well, you put that with that little fifty five Zeiss, and man, yeah, you, you got a nice little portrait camera, nice little portrait setup. Hell yeah! All right, so um, shifting gears and and finishing up. Uh, what what advice do you have? for other landscape photographers or just other photographers in general? You know, one thing I I do give uh, some classes for night photography classes and different things that I've been asked to do. Um, And, and here's, here's something. One, your fit, your enthusiasm is your currency. Think of it like that. Um, It's what keeps you going and don't let anybody steal your enthusiasm hmm. because every once in a while there are going to be the naysayers and that kind of thing, you know, or, or, or things that are going to bring you down, guard your enthusiasm, um, vigorously, you know, because it is, it is important. So, you know, one of the things, if you ask for a critique, be prepared to hear it. But here's something I'll throw out there. When you ask for a critique, look at the people that you're asking for it from. If the people who are tearing up your image, if their pictures don't look like the kind of pictures you want to make, throw that away. Guard your enthusiasm. If it looks like the kind of pictures you'd like to create, that's when you take that stuff to heart. And because there's a million different ways to uh, create an image these days. So just because some guy who shoots black and white and, you know, does a bunch of things that you just aren't interested in, you know, doesn't like your image, that shouldn't have any effect on you at all. You know, if there's, if, if, if the, the people who are making the images you want to see, those are the people that whose critique you, you need to listen to. So I'll, I'll, I'll throw that one. I like it. Can I put a little spin on that um, for the listeners? Cause I actually really like that um, in terms of guarding your enthusiasm. So um, I think what's beautiful about that statement is that you can listen to people like me on my podcast and my guests on my podcast talk about like not stamp collecting and, and, and like, you know, whatever it is we're telling you not to do, I think that should be taken as, um, not, you don't want those messages to quash your enthusiasm. You want to, my goal is to help people incorporate some of that thinking into their, um, into their principles, into their approach of photography. But I never, ever, ever, ever want the things that we talk about on the podcast to encroach on other people's enthusiasm. So I think telling people to guard their enthusiasm is critical while keeping an open mind to other thought processes or other ideas. Um, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. So um, last question, uh, who are some people that you would like to hear on the podcast? Well, I, you know, I, a lot of the people that you've had on that at least, and again, I haven't really gone through your library or listened to them at all. So listen to them all. So, 
I guess it's just to what I've been uh, exposed to, but they've been people who are uh, more into the social media world of photography. And there is a whole nother world of photography out there. And I'm not talking about the professionals like the wedding photographers and stuff like that. There are, um, there are people who are there all about um, the uh, PPA world, you know, that mm. type of competition where you have the uh, merit print kind of people. I think there's 11 points to a merit print and that type of thing. And the kind of work that those people are doing is very, very different than the people who are real um, popular on social media, but it's every bit as beautiful and maybe even a little more, to be honest. You've got a couple people here in Colorado who are right up at the top of those PPA competitions and the things they do. Doug Bennett just won the, um, the PPA uh, landscape uh, award this year. He was the top, his landscape uh, photograph was the uh, one, the grand, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with all those terms, but it was the top award and his work is stunning. And another one that I, I'm a huge fan of is Jeff Johnson. Again, he's, he's, he's not, you know, um, crazy with the social media world. He does do social media, but he's, he's really big into his own, he has his own style, his own way of post-processing, his own way of seeing things. And I mean, they are striking and they are beautiful. And he uses a lot of textures and overlays with mm. his post-processing that add a depth that is really interesting and fun to look at. Very emotional and uh uh, I really like it. And I would really like to hear uh, Jeff interviewed. I think that would be something really good. Doug Bennett too, either one of those guys. Cool. Yeah. And just for people that aren't familiar, it's um, PPA stands for Professional Photographers of America. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm actually friends with, um, um, <laughs> sorry, I just blanked out Jeff Johnson already on, on Facebook. Yeah, I think I, 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 I while we were in Iceland, I think I told you about him and you sent him a friend request. Isn't that right? Or? No, I've, I've yeah. Cause oh. he does like that's the soul, the uh, soulful to photography. Yeah. Soul road trips yeah, soul and road stuff. Trips. Yeah. yeah. Him and I have been friends on Facebook for a while. So I'm, I'm familiar with him, but, uh, when you were talking to when you, were, his work. when you were telling me about, um, all of the different aspects of the, uh, the competitions and like what people are looking for, I was really intrigued because, um, like you said, I think it's a totally different world than like, you know, what's appealing on social media or like, like what gets people the most likes or what has the most Instagram followers. Like it's a very technical, um, thing that PPA does in terms of their photo competitions, which I think would be interesting to look into. But it is amazing. I mean, to look at some of those photographs that, you know, do well in those competitions, um, it, it's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. They, they are amazing. Yeah. Well, cool, man. It's, <laughs> it's been fun, uh, reliving our Iceland adventures. And, uh, I'm assuming anyone who's, uh, you know, interested in learning more about the places we visited and without us getting into too much detail about sensitive locations, obviously, but they can always reach out to you or me. How can people find you on the interwebs? Well, first thing I'd say is, uh, you might hear a click here, is um, one thing is uh, definitely uh, join American Photo Treks on Meetup. You know, it's American Photo Treks LLC. It's free to join up. And, you know, if you'd like to come on a workshop, they do fill up pretty fast, but they're really, really fun. And so, you know, please uh, sign up to American Photo Treks. And also, too, if you want to follow me on social media, my uh, uh, Facebook is simply uh, Dave Soldano Images, and that's Dave, not David, Dave Soldano Images. And, of course, I'm on um, Instagram as well, and if you just look up Dave Soldano, I'll pop up right there. So, yeah, by all means, follow me. I'd love to uh, love to get a few more followers and see a few more people's perspective. Yeah, and and uh, if anyone's looking for some modeling gigs, you can always reach out to David. <laughs> 
every once in a while, every once in a while, I, I still probably do landscape more, more about 80% of the time, but I do like people. I do like faces. Yeah, well, I do you, like portraits. You've got some, and so you've got some killer work see. when it comes to the, the portrait stuff, which I hadn't seen before until we were checking it out when we were in that restaurant there in Iceland. Yeah, I think, didn't I take you, your, uh, the picture you're using on yep, your Facebook you got page it. right now? <laughs> my buddy Kane, my buddy Kane is like glamour shots, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Well, thanks again for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it, man. Well, thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed it. Hey everyone, if you enjoyed this conversation with Dave Soldano, why don't you head on over to Patreon where we talk about paying it forward and the power of networking in landscape photography. The link is patreon.com slash fstop and listen. Supporters at the $5 and up level can listen to all of our bonus episodes over on Patreon. Thanks so much.